Welcome back to Good Night Harlem. This is episode 43. We middle-aged. Oh, middle-aged podcast for middle-aged people. Okay. Oh, speak for yourself. Okay. It's Avia. And it's Law. And if you guys are new to the program, this is Good Night Harlem. This is the podcast with two transplants that live in the great city of Manhattan and our little cozy area of Harlem. And today, we're going to do our show a little different. Normally, we would start the show with Hyper Good Nights, and that's us talking about things that we like versus dislike. Today, we're going to do something a little bit more New York-centric. New York has a lot of terms. A lot of terms. Like everything from being brick outside to Ayo Ma to my guy. Fam. To use a slim goodie. Right. Use a thoroughbred. Right. Yeah. I ain't never heard of that until I got here. But there is one term that will not go away. As of lately, I want to say in the past two years, I've heard a lot of this term. And it's a good phrase. And the phrase is, I so boom. I so boom is basically your way of stating and prefacing that something's going to be a fact before it's even said. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, we're going to do a full episode dedicated to I right, so boom. I'm going to start this off and then Avi is going to come in. <clears throat> and whenever one of us has anything to say on somebody else's fact, a.k.a. I right, so boom, we'll come in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already enjoying this. We just kicked it off. And you know what? Let's do this like a, a Andy Cohen show on Bravo. For every I right, so boom you hear, we could play a drinking game. Why don't you get your shots up? <laughs> and at the end of the game, at the end of the episode, however many ISO booms we said, that's how many drinks you got to take. So this episode is probably best to listen to while you're at a house party. <laughs> or maybe just alone at home and you're just depressed. <laughs> Drink all your troubles away. All right, let me get this started. ISO boom is about anything we want it to be about. And I'm going to start it off like this. ISO boom. Tristan Thompson allegedly slept with Kylie Jenner's best friend, Jordan Woods. Aight, so boom. I know for a fact that if you was at this party and he told y'all to put y'all phones away and you saw, you saw the girl Jordan sitting on his lap and you didn't at least go over to him and or her and ask them, what the fuck is you doing? Y'all ain't real friends. Supposedly all of his real friends are there. Nah, not one of these people are your real friends, bro. Not one. Because at the point that somebody leaks that information to one of the entertainment blogs, they ain't your real friends. Wait, do you even believe that this is real, though? Fam, not only do I believe it's real, but at the point that both Chloe, the woman that he supposed to... I I don't even want to say they're supposed to be in a relationship. They're supposed to. That he's supposed to be committed to. (laughs) That he's supposed to be committed to. Tell him how to do it. Right. Like He clearly hasn't learned she's already, after all these years how to be in a relationship with anyone. She's already confirmed it. Here is my major, my major question, though. Is it possible for Kylie to remain friends with Jordan if this happened? My thing is, everyone is on the net talking about Kylie provided this great, lavish lifestyle for Jordan. She paid for her whole new body and her new bag of teeth. 
and Jordan's just gonna go behind her back and creep with her sister's baby daddy, who's already crept on her before. I um I personally don't think that this is real. I think this is Chris, the momager, setting up a meeting with Jordan saying, look, I'm about to propel your career and I'm also gonna get us ratings. Are you ready to be dragged through the mud on the internet? Because after that, I will turn everything around. And Jordan is the sacrificial lamb. Why Jordan? I mean, because it's not someone in the family. So at the end of the day, this is going to benefit both of them. And Chris is going to find a way for it to benefit Jordan just as well as it's going to benefit the family. Because from what I heard, Kardashian ratings aren't as high as they used to be. And maybe it's because all they do is keep having kids. Nobody cares anymore. People care, but not as much as they used to. And it's become a little boring. And I can say that from actually watching the show. If there was any point in time it was entertaining, it's not anymore. So should Kylie remain friends with Jordan? I mean, Kylie can do whatever she wants to do. But Yes or no? If it was you, would you still remain friends oh, with Jordan? Oh, see, I'm a regular person with a regular lifestyle, so of course not. Okay. That's just that. That's family loyalty, right? Because yeah. if, if you're creeping around with my sister's man, knowing that he's cheated on her before... And it tore them apart. What would make you think that I would condone that? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with you on this over my sister. And Kylie and Chloe are very, very close in the family, if not the Fair. very close, probably the closest almost. But um, I just personally, I just don't. I feel like they're Jesse Smollettting this whole situation. I think it's all fake. I want to see evidence, just like Tristan had evidence. The other couple times he cheated on Chloe, not maybe not all the times. I want to see evidence of this. I want to see video. I want to see text receipts. I want to see something. She has no one to blame but herself for taking him back. I mean, come on now. Fair. And Tristan, just listen to me on this. All right, so boom. Nigga, you too tall to be out here doing anything frivolous. <laughs> He's too tall. Way too tall. He was in a party. You six foot nine, what my guy. What kind of party were they in where Kylie and Chloe were not there? You are six foot nine, my guy. Everywhere you go, everybody knows what you look like. You are always going to be remembered, bro. Anyway, where's you? All right, so boom. Where, where we at with you? All right, so boom. On the Kardashian train. Uh, Kim has taken to the internet to um, express her backlash against all these fast fashion brands that copy all her latest creative designer wear. It is kind of fucked up. She was seen in this um, this dress that had no top but a bottom, and uh, it was covering part of her chest. Had everything from her abdominals down out had the whole back out and had like a long skirt. And as soon as she was seen in the dress, uh, I think it was either Fashion Nova or this other company named Misguided, copied the dress and started selling it online. I don't know how in the world they got the materials, the seamstresses, the pattern to make this dress in the time frame that they made it, but it was done within a matter of probably like a day or less. And she took to the internet to express how she felt. I'm going to read what she said because I think it's so um, enlightening. 
She said, it's devastating to see these fashion companies rip off designs that have taken the blood, sweat, and tears of true designers who have put their all into their own original ideas. She began, I've watched these companies profit off my husband's work for years, and now that it's also affecting designers who have been so generous to give me access to their beautiful works, I can no longer sit silent. She said, only two days ago, I was privileged enough to wear a one-of-a-kind vintage Mugler dress, and in less than 24 hours, it was knocked off and thrown up on a site, but that's not for sale. You have to sign up for a wait list because this dress hasn't even made it uh, made it to sale yet. All right, Kim. Kim, the creator of cornrows. Kim, the creator of an hourglass figure. Kim, the creator of full lips. Kim, you created black babies. <laughs> you have done it all. You have set down the, the, the pavement for the road for us black people to walk on, to even dress like you, look like you. Everything you have done has been from i can't even explain it like i'm i'm, I'm appalled that the pot is calling calling the kettle black in, in this moment she has done so many things to rip off so many other people's aesthetic there is actually a um a ig person she's like really popular up over in europe i forgot her name but for, for the longest time everyone was was pointing out how kanye's fashion kanye's yeezy line kim's whole aesthetic the biker shorts the tights the the monochromatic look the the big sunglasses was a huge bite off of this one girl style and i forgot the girl's name and so i don't want to hear it kim your little sob story can go somewhere it can go to where jordan and tristan end up after this whole situation pans out because nobody cares the problem is Kim has a very large audience and if you want to like, you know hyper target that audience and get them to feel as if you can recreate a look which they've done they've established themselves as a partner who can actually recreate a look they've also um, kind of established themselves as uh, I don't want to call it the, the the number one or number two brands, but because there's things like Amazon that kind of crush everybody. But in terms of being able to do fast fashion, do it well, and then put something in the consumer's hands very quickly, I think there is probably two or three of these companies that are in the upper echelon. And I don't blame Kim for wanting to be defensive. Just understand when you come off that defensive, fam, I mean, as much as you're considered an appropriator and all that stuff, as you said... You got to really blur the line and be easy when you talk about creative genius because most people don't even view you as substance. And that's exactly. not me trying to be disrespectful. No, just... you're just being realistic. I don't understand how she thinks she created everything. I, I really do, do feel like she's been drinking the Kanye Kool-Aid. Like, everything that's been done in fashion has been done before. So whether or not a brand is choosing to create the same dress you wore within 24 hours or whether or not they decide to do it two years from now, it's been done before. So I don't understand what her, her issue is. She's trying to put herself on this pedestal of creation. That just because she has all these people looking at her and she has this huge, huge fan base, that when people see her do something, she's the first to have ever done it. And that is simply not the case. She may be the last person to have ever done it before everyone starts doing it all over again. 
But it's just like she needs to she just needs to pick her battles. And this this is not her battle. It really isn't. Facts. And she can she can defend the designers all she wants to, but she really that whole Kanye thing, Yeezy has been done before. Guess what? I took ballet for eight years. There's this brand called Capizio, makes tights and leotards. Are we gonna talk about how much Kanye has ripped them off? Because that's all he has in his line are some tights and leotards. Ask any ballerina, we've all seen it. Sorry. Spicy. I'm gonna come in a little bit lighter on my next one. Maybe not. Spicy. All right, so boom. <laughs> Today, Zion Williams, the number one college basketball player in the country. The guy who's projected to go as the number one draft pick plays on Duke, and he was playing UNC today. And while on the court, his shoe, a.k.a. the Nike PG-13 twos, the Paul George shoes, exploded on the floor 40 seconds or less into the game. Obama was shocked because he was there, and everybody else in the audience was shocked. All right, so boom, think about this. Some people pay $3,400 or more to go to this game. If you pay $3,400 or more to go to that game to watch somebody not play and your family is struggling to keep food in the refrigerator, wait a minute. Throw the whole human away. Wait, wait. There are people that prioritize the wrong (laughs) shit. I'm coming at anybody that's prioritized wrong and did some dumbass shit and bought them high price ass tickets. Also, if you have any money invested into Nike stock, be weary because tomorrow there might be a an unfortunate drop in their stock price because of this dumbass shit. You think it's a conspiracy? I mean, this eye so boom, so I'm not gonna speak on that. What? <laughs> All right, so boom. I think it's a conspiracy. I really do think. Now, if you look at the shoe and you look at these Getty images, close up of the shoe, the shoe is sliced like you would slice a loaf of bread. It's like sliced perfectly, even at the sole. Like, look at how thick that sole is. It's like at least two, maybe one inch, I don't know couple centimeters i'm over exaggerating all i'm saying is this is looking like a case of tanya harding and nancy kerrigan because didn't you just say this is the worst time for this to happen i agree which to that i said then that means if anyone was trying to sabotage him this would be the best time for them to do it right facts so i don't know i you know i'm starting to think this jesse smollett situation is having a bigger impact on me than i realize when it comes to addressing things that just don't add up but i really do think this is a conspiracy i think that is not what we see how would a shoe burst like that perfectly in half like it was a loaf of bread that's why we've I, never seen this in the history of shoes i admit it is questionable but we don't have the answers yet okay but that would be my first thought. Is that not anyone else's first thought? That's what I want to know. I want to know, and I know it's too soon to even tell because this just came out like an hour ago, a couple hours ago. But is it anyone else's first thought that this is a conspiracy? Because he played in the game for 33 seconds before this happened. When he was warming up, nothing happened. 
the shoe was probably just getting loose. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So, the last thing that I'm going to say about this before we move on to your part is we all just need to take a step back when it comes down to things that we kind of loop ourselves into as far as branding is concerned. What do you mean? Because I think when you when you think about something like a Nike, you you just people don't even think about buying it. It's like second nature. Like I don't need to buy other shoes. I don't need to care about other brands really. I'm just going to go buy this thing because I know it gives me the kind of clout that I deserve for purchasing a shoe that has, you know, the title of being the biggest shoemaker. But we can't just blindly, blindly buy, buy clothes. Like, those PG-13s, if you have a son or a daughter and they're playing in uh, basketball and they have those shoes, go get them some new shoes. Or find a way to get them other shoes so that nothing like this happens to them. Have they ever had, like, a shoe recall? Not to my knowledge. That's what I'm saying. This is just so crazy. This is not, like, a part in a car. Like, this is exactly what I... I, I compare this to them having car recalls. It's like this shoe did what a car does when it needs to be recalled. Yep. And that's why I think something's up because this has never happened before. What do you got on the next subject? All right. So, boom. <laughs> we talk about reputation, right? Yeah. With Nike. Um, there has been someone's reputation who has been a little tainted in the last couple of days, all due to a young woman by the name of Amanda Seals. And we all know Amanda Seals. She's, uh, everyone's number one, um, troller and troll controller. <laughs> There's a lot of names I can say for her. She's a very intelligent woman. She's very smart. She has um, her own HBO special. She is very vocal on IG. She's, I would call her a feminist, but she's very uh, black rights uh, activist type. And just, you know, 90% of the stuff she says, maybe 85, I agree with. But there's a, there's a 15% where I'm like, eh, okay. And she had went on The Breakfast Club a month ago and she was describing a man who uh, she manifested into her DMs. I don't know how anyone does that. If someone can teach me really? how, if someone can teach me how to manifest someone into my DMs and two years later it happens for me like it does, like it did for her, let me know. Cause I'm trying to get Jadena and at least J.R. Ellis manifested in my DMs tomorrow. Um, so anyways, I don't exactly know who J.R. Ellis is, but he's okay. Lawrence from Insecure. Lawrence, he's your namesake. J.R. Yeah. Ellis? Yeah. I've never seen him go by J.R. Ellis. Oh, so if I said J. Ellis, you would have known? Yes. Oh, well, you don't know him the way I know him. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so anyways, she was on The Breakfast Club. And she was talking about how men have approached her since, you know, um, her fame and everything like that. And she mentions a person by the name of Myron Roll. Myron Roll, as sports enthusiasts know him, is someone who played college football at Florida State. Uh, he became a prestigious Rhodes Scholar. And he was actually one of only three people to become a Rhodes Scholar and to make it in the NFL. So after college, 
He got drafted to the Tennessee Titans and spent a year on the practice team and got dropped. And then after that, he got uh, traded to the Steelers and got cut shortly after that. So he never actually played a regular season game, but he was in the NFL for a couple years. Um, right now, Myron Roll is a neurosurgeon in Florida. And Amanda had some words to say about how he approached her. Uh, he slid in her DMs and he expected her to fly out to see him without offering even half of the trip. Uh, and she talked to her friends about this guy because she was talking about how old her would have been so excited to meet this guy and, you know, fly out to see him. Um, and one of her friends actually said that she knew someone who used to talk to him. And this person, when meeting up with him to go out to dinner with him, uh, he came to the door bucket naked. <laughs> So Amanda took to her IG stories uh, a couple days ago and was talking about Myron Roll and talked about how she has spoken about him, um, you know, in kind of in a secret type of way, coded type of way on her podcast and how people have come forward noting that they knew who she was talking about, even in her coded type of way of talking about him. And she called out his predatory like behavior. I thought that was pretty interesting. The reason why I thought it was interesting. All right, so boom. <laughs> is because I have actually had a personal experience with my role myself. Um, and this is in no way a tell-all because there's not that much to tell. But what I will say is from my own experience with him, he was on Tinder. I was on Tinder. We matched. He just so happened to be in New York because he was accepting an award for all his greatness. And um, quite immediately, we went from Tinder to messaging, text messaging. And at some point, he wanted me to meet him that very night because he was leaving the next day to go back down to Florida. The award show or ceremony that he was part of didn't really end until later on in the night. So by the time it came down to him being available, it was probably around 11-ish at night, and he wanted me to meet him at his hotel. And he mentioned, hey, we can go down to the lounge, we can get a drink, blah, blah, blah. By the time I would have gotten down there, it probably would have been about midnight. And for me, for me to meet someone for the first time, I'm not going to purposely put myself in a booty call situation Back. unless uh, that's what I think it should be. And I didn't know this guy from anything. I didn't know who Myron Roll was. I didn't know his stats. I didn't know what accolades he had. I just thought he was a nice-looking guy on Tinder. I didn't even know what award he was getting when he told me, Not, nor did I ask. So he left for Florida the next day. I didn't get a chance to see him. I told him, hey, maybe next time. Next time never happened. So after Florida, or after he went, went to Florida, I thought we were going to lose contact, but he kind of kept in touch he was very adamant every time he spoke to me, very, very adamant about me going out to Florida, quite like Amanda Seal's story. So I can vouch for that. Um, at some point, we got to a point where we were FaceTiming because that's something that he likes to do. And the only thing that I can say about this guy, because I don't believe in necessarily slandering someone's name unless you have evidence, unless 
unless I know personally this is real, you know, I'm talking about in a personal level. I'm not talking about on a celebrity gossip type of level, in my opinion. I'm talking about, I'm not going to say he has predatory behavior because I did not have that experience with him. Um, I will just say that he comes off as this man who is not used to hearing no. He also comes off as this man who feels like he can do the bare minimum in keeping in contact with whoever he's keeping in contact with and still get his way. A lot of our conversations revolved around me coming down to Florida, me telling him, look, I don't know you well enough to even fly out there. We don't have that type of rapport. And him saying, well, the reason why I'm keeping in contact with you is so we can have that type of rapport. So I just kind of felt like, okay, why are you so adamant about this? You know, Um, he would reach out to me every once in a while. He would call me on his way to his shifts because he was still in med school at this time. And his shifts would be at like 5 a.m., 12 to 14 hours long. And then he would study after that. And so he would call me and leave me these long voicemails, knowing I wasn't going to answer the phone. Um, And then, you know, a lot of our disagreements and places that we clash came to be because he just didn't have a lot of time for me, which I understand. But if you're trying to get someone to come out to Florida to visit you, I would expect you to be a little bit more consistent. Um, I will say this. He's a very intelligent man. He does have a way with his words. I think he has a certain sort of charisma that he uses and knows how to use to work for his advantage. I think he's used to girls that are doing what he wants them to do. And I think he thought I was the one and I'm not. So end of the story. I never went down to visit him. At some point we, we fell off. I was kind of over it. Um, I did throughout the course of time that I was talking to him look him up because I look up everybody essentially after I'm, you know, spending effort and time into a situation. And I found out who he was. And I think that had a lot to do with the way that he acted. I'm not going to sit here and slander this man's name. I think he is a very intelligent person. He may not be the best in the dating scope from what I'm hearing. And I think that there's a lot of men out there who act the way that he acts and don't have the accolades that he does. I don't think that there's anything that he did differently that that a lot of men out here do when it comes to saying the things that they want to say to get what they want. That's all I got to say about that. How about that? All right, my final one of the night. Oh, boy. All right, so boom. Monique went on Steve Harvey's show to discuss all of the things around the quote-unquote black bull. The kind of fuckery that she went through when she's calling up people left and right from Oprah to Lee Daniels to motherfucking Tyler Perry. She's calling everybody. She's trying to get them on her side, yet nobody wants to address the elephant in the fucking room. So with that being said, I couldn't be more disappointed in Steve Harvey's message in her. Mm. All right, so boom, Steve, you have made 
according to multiple sources on the internet, somewhere between $150 million to $300 million. $150 million to $350 million. And then for you to go out of your way and say the fuckery shit that you said to her. Now let's take a listen to that bullshit. I've done nothing wrong. When you tell the truth, you have to deal with the repercussions of the truth. We black out here. We can't come out here and do it any kind of way we want to. Let me, listen oh, to me. Your husband yes. can't be the Sydney that he really is out here. Let me tell you There's something. Not, that flexing, Let me we got to flex a different way. We Let out me. here in a game. This the money game. This ain't the black man's game. This ain't the white man's game. It's this the money, the money game. game. But I, we in the something. money game. And We're you cannot sacrifice game. yourself. The we best are. thing you can do for this poor people is not be brother. one of them. You cannot We're help them We're in the money game. Home. But let me tell you what the game is before the money game. Like before the money game, it's called the integrity game. And we've lost the integrity worrying about the money. But Mo, and wait a minute. if wait I a minute. crumble, if you my crumble. children crumble, my grandchildren crumble, I cannot, for the sake of my integrity, stand up here and let everybody that's counting on me crumble so I can make a statement. There are ways to win the war in a different way. All right. All right, so boom. I want to unpack that bullshit that Steve just said. And don't get it twisted. I don't really have any problems or issues with Steve Harvey. He's probably never going to hear this. And he probably will just look down at me and be like, brother, don't criticize me. I won't criticize you. Here's where my criticism starts. And here's where it also ends. Integrity does not have to be 100% compromised to produce wealth. And if you believe that you have to compromise it that much to produce wealth, that tells me so much that I need to know about you. Because in the situation that you are currently in where... You know, just as well as the rest of the country, that somebody that's a woman, that's white, that used to be an artist, is about to take over your time slot, your frame, and your show. And you know that I know, just like the rest of the people, that part of the reason this is happening is not because of ratings. It has nothing to do with anything that is outside of your purview. But what it ha does have something to do is that executive producer doesn't fuck with you because you left the executive producer in Chicago with the rest of the Chicagoans on that Oprah set. And they thought that when you were going to transition to L.A., that you were going to bring them and you didn't. And once they got wind of that, when it was their turn to take over, they was like, I don't think we need him. And now your ass, with all the clout that you got and all the shit that you've been talking, are dealing with the same shit that Monique is dealing with, but in a different way. They don't want to fuck with you. They letting you know they ain't going to fuck with you. And there is nothing you can do in terms of using your industry contacts to change that. Boom. So, wait, you just spilled, like, the whole picture of tea. Whoa, 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 what? Yo. So, what's going on with Steve Harvey? He's getting let go from a show because the executive producer doesn't want him there because of how partially, he did him dirty before? Partially. Okay. What's the other part? Other part of it is the demo that they want to hit is going to be a little bit younger of a demo. They're trying to go somewhere between the 28 to... Uh, mid 30 range he doesn't necessarily attract that audience as much so and the way the best way to do that is go out there and find somebody that may or may not have been on i don't know american idol so who are they trying to get maybe a kelly clarkson but you didn't hear that from me what since you've been gone kelly clarkson maybe do people actually care about what she has to say 
That just seems so left yeah, field. Yeah, because the first thing she going to do when she get up there is say, all right, so boom. <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I, I definitely agree with you on Steve Harvey's tip. I think that in him trying to school Monique, he exposed himself as being someone who's without integrity. He basically told the world, I'm willing to sell my integrity so that my foundation does not crumble and you should be too. That's basically what he said to her. Right. And so all I could think of is, you know, Steve Harvey is a hardworking man. He's also in his 60s. He's a hardworking man. And when I say that, I say that because I know because I went to a a Showtime at the Apollo. He was hosting and he was like, I have to tape a whole nother show after this. That taping lasted for five hours. And it was a lot. And I was getting tired just sitting in the audience after that amount of time. I can't even imagine hosting. And then right after that, he had to fly off to France because his wife wanted to spend Thanksgiving in Paris. And he was talking about how much he didn't want to go. And all I could think about is he's a hardworking man. He's working for the man. But he's also working for his wife to blow his money. What is she doing? So when he talks about his foundation, all I could think about is his wife in Christian Dior bags and Lori Harvey in Louis Vuitton sneakers. What does Lori Harvey do? Yeah, we spoke about her on the last she episode. Has, she, has she has a harem. His, she, she's on her no, he, she's off the wish list now. Did you hear that live performance? He, he took her off. He said because Trey wanted her for Chris. Yeah, he, he remixed the whole song. Yeah, Bruh. it was nice. It was nice. Um, I, I just think he, I understand a man having to support his family and generations to come. But at the rate that he's doing it, he's getting paid out the yin yang. Yes. But I wonder how much he's spending for Marjorie Harvey to ride around in her Tesla with her Louis Vuitton seats. I like. I'm just saying. Like <laughs> he's talking about if I crumble, everything else is gonna crumble. No, I think this is a case of he got the woman that he wanted. She costs a pretty penny to upkeep, and if he doesn't have any money, Marjorie's gonna leave his behind because that's what she did to her other two husbands. That's what I got from that, and that's from the history of knowing what he's gone through relationship wise. So for her to for him to sit here and tell Monique it's a money game and it's not a white or black game. I'm sorry, but it is a white or black game. And when it's a money game, it's a white game because they run the industry. No. Jewish okay. pe- Jewish people, white people run the entertainment industry. That is factual. Black people do not. That is factual. Wait, why are you saying? They run the entertainment industry. Yeah, this gets into a level of stereotype that I'm not willing to touch. Well, what stereotype am I touching? There's nothing else that I've learned from that LeBron James Jewish money trope is that these these tropes and these things that are being said were things that were pushed by the Nazis. That's a fact. The Nazis pushed the fact that uh, a lot of the money, whether it's you working in banks or you working in the financial industry or you running some bigger corporations they're saying that the jewish people were taking up all the money i don't mess with any of these stuff so all right boom i don't want anything to do with that i boom spielberg weinstein jewish names i'm telling you when i say they run the industry i'm talking about the entertainment industry alone i'm not talking about anything else 
So, and that's just a fact. When I say they run it, look at how far Harvey Weinstein has fallen from grace from doing what he did. I don't agree with Steve Harvey. And I feel like the more and more Monique does these interviews, the more and more I, I want to side with her because I, I feel so bad that people are coming down on her so hard. And at first I was like, oh, Monique, come on now. Like, come on, you know? Right. But it, it, I don't know. Things have kind of taken a turn for me, in my opinion, of her. And I feel like her speaking up for integrity is so rare that I respect her 10 times more now after that interview. So what Colin Kaepernick did. He did the same thing in a different way. Integrity. And look what he got out of it. So how, what's your final one? What All right. Got? So boom. I know I spoke about Amanda Seals on my last spiel uh, to introduce the whole Myron Rose situation. But I'm going to talk about Amanda right now. And, you know, Amanda's been on one this week. She talked about Myron Rose having uh, predatory behavior. She talked about... Carl Lagerfeld and how she posted something and 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 she had no idea he had a racial and, and crazy transgressions in the past and you know she she she's been online a lot she's been vocal a lot and I think when you talk too much there's a bigger chance of you just saying the wrong thing one of the things that she said that I just don't agree with and I feel like it goes against who she stands for as a person or who she says she is is she had a post on IG and she was talking about Jesse Smollett. And she briefly touched on Jesse Smollett because you know why? Jesse Smollett is one of her best friends who's at her HBO special in LA and they chum it up all the time together. The thing that she said about Jesse was that she didn't understand why us black people felt like this Jesse Smollett problematic situation, as problematic is her favorite word, as she likes to say. Why we feel like as black people, what he did has set us back. She said, if you think one actor set us back, then you're completely wrong because racism has been in this country before and it will be in this country after. Jesse Smollett did not end racism or did not start it. She goes on to say, these are the things that have set us back as a community. She lists parents cussing out their kids, R. Kelly still not being in jail after everything he's done, Trump being in office, and she blames black men for Trump being in office because they did not vote. She did not put any onus on the white woman who actually voted for him. Um, and then she goes on to mention a whole story of, of how the black community just doesn't know how to look out for one another. Now, I will say this about Amanda Seals, and I've said it before. She's a very intelligent woman. She is a wordsmith. She knows how to talk anybody down in an argument. I think it's quite interesting that in this whole tirade she posted on IG, she has made it a point to deflect from the actual issue at hand, which is Jesse Smollett. And the reason why she's deflecting from what he actually did is because that is her personal friend. So at the point where you're choosing to talk about a personal friend and choosing to deflect what your personal friend did, that actually does set us back. Because I'm sorry, after the last five, six years of um, police brutality that we've endured, the last thing that we need is someone coming along and creating a false storyline for attention 
crying wolf and making black people seem like we, we don't have any credibility at all. And I'm not saying Jesse represents all black people. All I'm saying is that if you have a platform as large as Jesse's and millions and millions of people watching your show every season, what makes you think that you doing this is okay? Furthermore, what makes Amanda Seals think that her friend who has millions of followers, who is an advocate of the black and gay community, would create this whole spiel of a storyline and think that it has no impact on our community or the gay community as a whole. I think that the, the reason why I'm disappointed in Amanda is because had this been anyone else who did what Jesse did, whether it be Joe Schmo down the block that no one knows about, or I don't know, say Denzel Washington, who, she, who she's not a tight friend of, oh, had gosh. it been anyone that she didn't know, famous or not famous, she would be trolling them to the umpteenth degree. And I don't appreciate how she's chosen this Jesse Smollett situation to be something that she gives special treatment to. I think her grade A deflection is problematic, reductive, and myopic. And these are her words that she likes to use all the time. The only thing I'm going to add to that, because I can't really eye boom this, because I don't have enough facts on her history. I just want to say this much. Um, whenever you put out a take on the internet, there's always going to be a group of people that hold you to the standard of whatever each one of those takes are. And I feel like what we're doing right now, we are finding out who you are in rapid form. And it's really got to be one of those things where you, being Amanda Seals, has to understand that now that you have a certain level of fame and popularity, that each time you put a video out, each time you put content out, it's a reflection of you and it's a reflection of the way that people perceive you. And if you want a larger audience and you want further slash more engagement, then you have to understand that your words and your actions and the things that you are doing on video moving forward can create a stir. Not necessarily you saying it in a, in a demeaning way, but people can take things and flip them. So I would say to you on this, if you genuinely want to grow your audience, you need to be more transparent when it comes down to, you know, everything that you put out on these social channels, whatever additional content you make for a brand, whatever. You just need to be able to be transparent and be yourself 100% of the time and accept the consequences that way. Because sometimes people view you as being elitist, acting as if you're on the high horse and all that other stuff. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And the reason why I was so disappointed in her is because what she did is like the equivalent of someone saying, hey, why are we focused on R. Kelly? Do you know that they're taking slavery out the history books? Did you know that Flint doesn't have clean water? Did you know that um, um, such and such person got locked up by the police and it was unjust? Do you know that 21 Savage... Like, you're going to focus on all these other things just so we don't focus on... 
this situation that is unfolding be before our very eyes. And I know that this is a situation she would not approve of. So for her to even minimize it and trivialize it like, oh, you're just going to focus on something an actor did. It's not going to have any impact. Girl, bye. You are smarter than that. And, and we as an audience are smarter than <laughs> smarter than you think for you to think that you can just minimize this Jesse Smollett situation because he's your friend to focus on an incident that happened to you at um, All-Star Weekend and how us as a black community does not stick together. Well, okay, we need to stick together, but we also need to keep it real. And I feel like if you're really Jesse's friend, maybe you wouldn't have commented on this in such a way. But also, maybe you should put him in his place as a friend. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Hey, this wasn't a good idea. The same heat that you bring to your followers about how they should be acting and how men should step to you and how everything should be handled and how people should treat the black community, you need to have that same heat for your friends. And if you're a real friend of Jesse, you have never put this post up. <laughs> uh, and that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for the day. I hope y'all enjoyed this. We're going to try to do this uh, once a month where we just hit y'all with some real New York shit. <laughs> and if y'all hear that music, y'all know what it is. Catch us on iTunes. Like, catch us on uh, Google Play. It's late, y'all. It's 2 a.m. So if there's anything different that you caught in this episode, just know that we have to sleep. Crutches on uh, Twitter. Crutches on Twitter. And just like that. Google Play. We out. Google Music. IG. Good night.